good afternoon and good evening. This is the Sonic Podcast, and we're here today with another episode of the Wellbeing Series. Our guest today is Ashley Love. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Very well. Um, wow, so it's taken us a little while to get here. <laughs> Trying to match up schedules and all of that. How's, how did the move go? Was it a move? Was it a move? Oh, that time. Busy, Listen. weren't you? Yeah, there's, there's been some busyness. I have had a huge holiday camp um, for my charity, and it's sort of, it's like the biggest week of the year for me, really. So um, yeah, we had a holiday club to start off the summer well for the kids, and um, it it was a lot different this year compared to most years. You know, just trying to bring everything down from like 600 plus kids to about 200 and doing things in bubbles but that was a big week for me um and then we had a launch party for um the record label i work for but i'm back i'm well rested um so this is why we can now <laughs> we can now finally get together and record this hey so thank you so much for making time for this because i can imagine that it hasn't been easy for you um and especially only being so busy last week you know sometimes you kind of just want to chill for a few days and just take things easy i know i'm definitely taking things easy this week (laughs) oh no worries no worries i just took a sip of water there just as you stopped talking for me to respond that's what's amazing (laughs) about this um (laughs) But no, I am genuinely really happy to be here. And I think I've, I've watched the Wellbeing heard and seen what you've been doing in the Wellbeing series and think it's like really great stuff. Um, yeah, really great stuff to sign post people to. So anytime, I want to say. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, um, so let's get started then. Um, let's talk about where it all started for you. Like, talk to us a little bit about your background and kind of like studies. Like, did you go the study route or did you go the practical work route or like how how did that work for you? How did you come into that? Yeah, so for me, a little bit of both. Um, I've grown up in like a African, British slash Irish family. <laughs> so okay. a lot going on there. Um, but there's always been a big work ethic, you know, um, I think surrounding my mum, mainly mum just being mum and dad for me, um, you know, stepdad's hard worker, the family just in general, people people work hard, um, but also very artistic as well. So I did like a drama GCSC, did super well, went into musical theatre like aside from studies I did musical theatre in my in my spare time okay. um, did, you, you know, did you perform in any uh, productions yeah a, f- a few pretty good ones so all of my productions had uh, like there were true facts so they were historical um, and then always had like a faith um, twist to it um, you know just just what the writers that I tuned into had in mind and that's the sort of thing that I loved. So we did Joan of Arc, the musical, um, The Curse of Oliver Cromwell, the musical, um, okay. A Pilgrim's Progress, 
the musical. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. And then more recently, just looking at the refugee crisis um, and a whole new artistic piece created called Wildflowers. Um, yeah, and yeah, that looked at a lot of real life ref- refugee stories made into musical. So that was a really hard piece, but beautiful nonetheless. Um, yeah, so a bit of, a bit do, of what do you, I've Do you act or do you write or direct or what? A little bit of both, but in, in the productions that I have been in, um, I've acted, I've sang, so I've been leading ladies and some, supporting acts and some. Um, okay. And then in my capacity, you'll hear soon after, in my capacity as a youth worker, I write as well. Um, yes, right. and some pieces there. But so so for me, I, I finished school, I went into health and social care. Um, mm-hmm. I did that for three years. I worked alongside that because Partly that was part of the course, but partly that's what the family background is, really. Um, And then aside from that, I took some time off, um, worked alongside um, everything else I was doing with charity and that sort of thing. So I worked in health and social care and developed a real, real love for young people. Um, and for children and I did that for a while you know worked with kids worked with teenagers um when did you start doing that were you like early 20s or late teens I do you know what I started without realizing I started so in my teens I guess I was doing kids and youth work within like just caring for friends and family who ever needed help and then went into volunteering in churches and then centers like youth clubs um when when they needed help and that developed into okay where do I bridge the gap between where I am and where I want to be like senior youth work um Mm. so I did a degree as as many people would um so I did a degree in um theology and youth work and yeah great um so west london a theology college called saint melitus um yeah a great it was it was a great place to study um there was a lot a lot of skills that i developed there and i actually think i gave a lot um to the uni yes i received a lot but it was a space for me to be able to give of myself as well um mm-hmm. yeah and then that started off my work in london because my background i grew up in buckinghamshire um, okay. So it's only about, just outside of London, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, West London. Um, but you know, we've delved, we've delved into East as well with the work, um, and and Birmingham at times. Interesting, like oh, a yeah. little, <laughs> um, yeah. a little, a little segue there. So yeah, about six or so years. Um, but I did start. I'd say sixteen, but more professionally. 18s when I started proper youth work and it's just been yeah it's been a, a purpose-driven love story since I think just of, of doing what you really love so it doesn't really feel like work yeah yeah, yeah. that's 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 something that um we've spoken about on our stargazer series with, with quite a few of the, the creatives it, it's really about creating a lifestyle around what you do because otherwise it just doesn't work and you'll right. stress yourself out and, and all of that so 
that is, is something that is really key. I think that's a really good point to, to just to acknowledge that. Um, okay, so you went to uni and then... That was my point to, to go into. <laughs> so my degree was always um, heart study and placement together. So I never really stopped, I've never really stopped working since the age of about, believe it or not, 14. Um, what, what, did you, what job did you have at 14? I know, what job did I have? My first proper job was, um, I did a bit of everything. There was this holiday um, school in my area and yeah. um, I sort of knew the lady because she was in the musical theatre world. So my sister went to like her, um, musical school if, if you call it that um, yeah. but she she had different hustles so she was probably the first female boss that I was really like wow you 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 do quite a lot and um, she had a holiday school kids that were um, going from like year five into 11 pluses so they could get into secondary schools um, and quite a lot of them um, <laughs> parents wanted their children to get into very good schools this is me like i've got i've got my finger holding up my nose slightly um and it was it, it was quite a lot of money for them to to fund their children to come to this school so it was on the weekends and then throughout all the holidays um it ran so i would be the first one on site it was like a hall you know fancy hall first one on site i'd set up two or three different rooms into classrooms um, set up basically like almost a tuck shop cafe in their kitchen um, set up registration to welcome people and then I'd basically sit there and register everyone I deal with like the money and the checks um, finance side of things and okay. once the parents were out of the way I'd do some teaching assisting and stuff and then <laughs> at the end of the day I'd you know, they'd all go home and I'd pack everything up again. So first one on site, last one off site. And that was like my first job. It feels like quite intense when I think of it now, but I did. I was like caretaker, teaching assistant, receptionist, finance. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> a lot it's of skills. Like, like you did say earlier that your family works really hard. So See? I think it's just in your genes, really. <laughs> Without even realising. <laughs> um, okay, so what was like your sort of first break your first sort of like secure job where you were like okay great this is now me set I'm really doing this youth work yeah um believe it or not I would say there's a couple but I'm gonna stick to this one it was when I it was my second year of uni um and usually when you do the course you're in the same placement from you know start to finish but it like Ashley Love there's always a journey to things and there's always a story to things so um I was in my second year um going into actually so it was like the summer before second year the first year placement wasn't great because I wasn't able to really do the youth work I needed to do they really wanted children's work or where they were at um and it was like a church slash charity called St Albans Film that took me in. And they did youth and community work. So they worked with like local council, they worked with local police, 
local youth offenders, local schools, um, and they were just a hub within Hamilton and Fulham community. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was using assistant youth and community worker there. My line manager was amazing. I'd, I'd had like bad experiences with line managers before, but she was amazing. Um, and it was it was just really, really solid. I have um, to ask, I have to ask, why that? Why that job role? No, the bad experiences. Oh, why? So I, I think it was that, um, it was that you're given expectations um, and then when you fulfill them, I, I guess for me it was when people would would move the ball or people would, okay. yeah, people would move the goalpost, I think that's, that's a better way of putting it. People would move the goalpost. So you're fulfilling what you think you're supposed to be. And then I remember just being a sitting duck in one of my first um, youth work roles officially. Um, because, you know, we'd set up, I do a lot of like creative stuff, musical stuff with the young people. And I would mentor, which was what I was all about mentoring. You'll hear that about that in a second. Sure. Um, as well as, as well as just investing in young people and families and, and how that could work. Um, but then I guess it was a charity. So the governance um, has different levels to it. There's trustees, and then there's whoever your boss is. So whatever your boss says, if the trustees don't agree, doesn't necessarily work. So yes. I guess I guess that's really what it was. The the goalpost was moved because the trustees said no. This is the capacity that we need this person in. Um, but the contract and everything were you know were written up. Things weren't signed by that point yet because you know they had to sign as opposed to my boss signing. Um, but I had to I had to stay in that place for seven to eight months. Um, yeah, yeah, and and before then it was just weird weird jobs that weren't always with the same line manager. So it was different people trying to trying to <laughs> trying to line manage and yeah, trying to fulfil different roles for different people. So it was amazing because we aligned me and my previous line manager. We aligned in. I guess our energies, our purpose for why we did youth work. And um, I guess when you're looking at roles, being able to see a mission statement and think, yes, I can actually give to this rather than this, um, yeah, it, it meets this, it meets, I could do that, I could do that, but I can really give to it because of the skills that I already have and because of where my heart is set up and where I want to see myself. Um, yeah, I thought I, they could give to me and I could give to them, but me and my line manager were really aligned. Mm. Yeah. I think it's, it's really when you get a manager that you actually get on with. Yeah. <laughs> you don't necessarily need to be best friends, but just an effective manager that just right. makes you feel comfortable and just makes things go smoothly. Always helps. Right. Um, okay, so from there then to say where you are now like talk to us about the journey to yeah the journey i've been through so um i then just really grew a love for my purpose in life my purpose in life is hope really just just that word to give hope i think the greatest gift we can 
receive in life is having a hope for tomorrow. Um, and contrary to that, I guess the sad, the sad, sad thing that could happen in our lives is a loss of hope for tomorrow. Um, and I think with a hope for tomorrow, like we we have made it. If we've got that, we have made it. So if I can walk by and and sense or feel something, um, see someone walk by and look quite sad, I will always strive to catch an eye or catch a moment because a moment can really change a perspective, it could change a life. Um, and if that could be a smile, if that could be someone just saying hi to you where maybe no one has noticed you all day long, no matter who that person is, um, young and older, <laughs> young and older, um, that, I believe is my purpose and I could do that in whatever entity um, that might be in my job role, in my personal life, with my family, with friends, with people that I don't even know. Um, and then one, one segue into that is um, doing things for the one, right? So if I was able to catch a moment with one person all day long, that's enough for me. But more than that, um, looking at those people that don't have the hope or that feel like they've been written off um and my love for young people it obviously has to relate to them so how can i invest in those lives um and i'd say that stems from growing up within my teenage years it wasn't always safe for me i didn't always have safe adults around me there was quite a bit of abuse around me as well and um, not having that safe adult I chose to put myself in a position where I can be a safe adult but not just that I can really invest and um, I'm quite intuitive um, mm -hmm. spiritually and more <laughs> you could tell <laughs> mm -hmm. so um, so believe it or not within with my young people I usually know what's going on before they decide to share what's going on um, and I think when you're a trusted adult, it's incredible when you could provide a safe place for young people. So I ended up doing that with young offenders, um, ended up working with a service called Caring for Ex-Offenders. And yes, I did adult male prisons, but went into some young offenders institutions too. Um, but within my, within my role, we also worked with um, young offenders who needed to fulfill community service hours. Um, and there's this statement about condemnation, like condemning people to a point where, do you know what, they already know they've done wrong <laughs> because they're, they're dealing with the justice system. So instead of condemning them to a place where they feel like, oh yeah, what well, I'm just gonna continue what I'm doing because either it's working for me or I feel like I can't get out of it. People aren't allowing me the room to get out of it. Um, mm -hmm. We're like, yeah, let's take them on, bring them to us so we could feel some, some purpose into them, feel some mm -hmm. goodness into them and just have some real conversation. Um, and, and that came down to, to really talking about ownership of like one, what, what have you been doing? What have you done? Um, but also just love. It's in my name, but but that purpose of hope also comes into love, a purpose of filling people with love. And when you're given a purpose of goodness and love, you want to do better. So that's that's my thing, filling young people to want to do better. 
um, in whatever that is. So if I can find a creative side to a young person, like music, art, craft, um, dance, and there's so much more sport, <laughs> you know, yeah. we could go a lot into that. And and I guess that's my role as youth and community worker, finding that in a young person, whether it's in schools, in some of the work that I do in healthy and inspiring relationships mm-hmm. or um whether that's in sport we've been funded by children in need and like john lyon like, you know big funders to yeah, yeah. to create experiences that young people wouldn't otherwise have so families that can't afford holidays for young people yeah let's take them camping or let's take them to go eight let's take them to the zoo let's take them to places that they wouldn't otherwise be able to go to either because they live in a home with 10 other people they have lots of siblings or um families just can't afford that um hammersmith and fulham is quite an interesting area because you could literally see a deprived estate on one end and detached household on, on another and um you know you you deal with young people in those spaces so being able to build allyship is a big thing as well and and yeah mentoring is at the heart of it in whatever you're doing whether that's facilitating a youth club or sports workshop or um music or just walking around in a park <laughs> as that as that weird adult that's also the youth worker um so <laughs> yeah. yeah so are you are you like um i know there's like different terms but for those that are sort of on the streets if you like is that called outreach yeah so you see you're an outreach officer or like yeah i do do you know what is so funny i do a bit of everything but um outreach of course (laughs) yeah of course of course but outreach is one of my favorites because it's it's basically meeting young people where they're at and you will have one where um you're the awkward person in the in the park with a ball where the kids don't have a ball and you're either playing football or basketball you're facilitating the game like that and a month later those same kids are shouting your name as you're walking home (laughs) Mm -hmm. um because now they've got to know you and you're consistent with it so um yes i do i do a lot of that um more recently just um working with the record label where one of the artists is super passionate about investing in young people and a new generation and you know providing streamlines to young people either doing music or sports or um content creation is a big thing for young people at the moment so um one of the other guys wants to do it and just creating a space where you can fill young people with the you know with the right mindset one and then if we can provide i think we had a sponsorship for some recording material for one of the guys that wanted to do music so providing those connections where young people can really thrive um and get involved in positive um you know like positive behavior um rather than the antisocial that the young people are too too well known for um i think i think we probably don't give them enough of the benefit of the doubt, but also there's been a lot of funding that's been cut for youth services that really help combat some of that, yeah, some of that antisocial one behaviour and activity and, um, yeah, 
creating solutions to that can be quite difficult. So yeah, when I can, outreach is definitely the way in different ways now. Mm. Um, so have you heard of an organization called The Forefront Project? Sorry, repeat that. Have you heard of an organization called The Forefront Project? No, I haven't. Okay, so um, it was founded by Temi Moale something like, oh, nine, ten years ago. Um, and it was after the death of one of her best friends at the time. Um, he was murdered. Um, and she set up the Forefront Project, which is a, a youth, a social youth enterprise. Um, and they do like music projects and other kind of outreach activities with the, the local people in Collindale in All Northwest. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll share some details with you and um, possibly look to connect you with Tammy Marley. Um, she's amazing. She's absolutely wonderful. And like what she's achieved, I think she's, she's under 25, I think. Um, and she's done so much and taken forefront from what it was previously called to what it is now. And yeah, they're doing amazing work, amazing work. And her story is amazing. I'll send you her the link to her TED talk as well. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> um, so, okay. So in terms of the young people that you're working with, what kind of like mental health concerns do you you know, were they displaying or, or were you kind of working with? Mm, yeah, so I think there's a real level of like development of mm, like evolving one as a young person can be quite difficult. Hitting puberty and being in control of self um, is that that's one difficult one of just knowing who you are. What is my identity? That's that's one. And I'd say the second one, which I think has, has been a bigger one now, is how lockdown was dealt with. Um, how lockdown is still being dealt with now, I guess the aftermath of it in, in terms of mental health, how much young people were getting out or not getting out. Um, how much social media is consumed and the way it's consumed, because there is a positive way um, I, I always say, you know, when I when I do speak to parents that um, one, social media isn't the enemy because there's a positive way one to use it, but also our children today will never will now never be in a world without it. So how about we teach them the right skills in order to to thrive? Yeah, in order to really thrive. So what, what um, kind of pushback do you get with that? Because I can imagine there were some parents out there who were like, I really don't like my child being on social media. They're just always on their phone. They never pay attention. Like they don't listen. Like what what, what do you do when a parent tells you that? Um, we create positive spaces on social media for young people. <laughs> that's really what we do. Um, and I would say during lockdown, that's where we had to do youth clubs. So sometimes we did like challenges on Insta lives. So keeping young people fit, keeping them engaged and interested, um, keeping them positive, um, but also holding that space of like, listen, we don't know anything about what this is going to continue to look like. Um, so we're in the same space as you the space of the unknown let's hold each other in that 
how was today for you? Not even like how was the week for you, but how was today? Because we're going day by day. Um, we created like different Zoom sessions to hold either mentoring one-to-ones or, um, and sometimes we did that because you have some young people that are close, um, but you have some young people that are still connected to the organization, but live a little further out. Um, so they might only engage with some of the projects and stuff. Um, so you have to do Zoom mentoring sessions. Um, but also like youth clubs and, and fun stuff over Zoom too. So you're keeping some sort of engagement. Mm-hmm. And with that, you do have the young people that only cope with the face-to-face. So you have drop off. But for the ones that really needed that connection, they came and they came every week. And um, parents were able to get a bit of respite <laughs> away from the 24-7 kids. Yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. also able to see okay this is a way that this could work um for my child and i think the more you engage with parents and letting them know what you're doing and how it's impacting um the better some of our some of our funding just to run as as an organization you need feedback from the kids so whether that's like online stuff that you're doing or face-to-face stuff that you're doing we would have like questionnaires on how they found like a session or how they found um some content or activities um and what they would be doing the key thing is what would you be doing if you weren't a part of you know that activity um and usually that makes a difference so we would send those that feedback out anonymously including to parents to just be like actually this is this is what engagement we're getting and this is what your children are saying um yeah so, so that's how i'd answer that question okay okay brilliant um so you mentioned um things like issues concerning like mental health and the pandemic um how how has that impacted your son yeah um do you mean so just to to clarify do you mean for me personally mental health and identity or or helping young people with that both both okay i'm I'm ready to dig in so for me personally that's where my story began into youth work of knowing that i didn't have a strong identity i didn't have a strong mental health as a young person and I really, I needed help from an adult, from safe adults, um, and didn't get that. <laughs> I've got the contrary, actually, from youth workers in, in the past, of, you know, that abuse, that abuse of trust, abuse of intimacy, and, um, like, knowing family and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to find my way through counselling at about... Oh, 1920 um, and I didn't find the right person initially but I think mm-hmm. between 2021 I was able to find someone really amazing um, and it changed my world again during uni being able to do that I was able to, to, to really really do well and I think as a mentor you need to be mentored or counselled as well mm-hmm. and part of my background in health and social care is counselling so whenever you're helping people, you need to receive the help as well. Um, so I guess that's something myself and my line manager did for one another when we were supporting young people as well. 
And in terms of holding young people in that, um, how have I found it? We we deliver a course on healthy and inspiring relationships, previously known as Romance Academy, for anyone that might be listening who might know. Um, and week, week one is who am I? And it's looking at relationship revolution. So who are you? What have you witnessed in life socially and personally to construct the idea that you have of yourself and the decisions you make mm-hmm. um, another one is talking about where do I belong week two where you discover love languages and discover yourself why you are the way you are um, and why you make the decisions you make and that's before we go into things like sex and the choices we make and parenting adoption or abortion when it comes to pregnancy and STIs and all that fun stuff but looking at identity is the main part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I thought you were about to say something about Yeah, I, I was sort of just to jump in though. Um, yeah. Because you mentioned love languages. Um, I know some people may not understand what that is, but if you could kind of explain a little bit about what that, that is. It's a theory, I guess. Yeah, what, what's that theory? Yeah, so the theory of love languages is, um, so a guy, a friend of mine actually, called um, Gary Chapman, um, created the five love languages. Um, and it basically constructs a, us as humans, we, we have a way that we naturally love others, but we also have a way that we want to be loved right and um once we're able to discover these things um we could thrive in the relationships with ourselves and with others so um really where we start with young people is how do you like to be loved and the idea is sometimes the way that we like to be loved isn't necessarily the way we love others sometimes it does colorate but um but but not always so the five love languages are words of affirmation um, which is really, really the words that people use um, will either fill you up or, or sometimes break you down. It's not always the same. So for me, I, I am, I do love um, words of affirmation, but it's not that when people say really horrible stuff, it gets to me. It's just that I love to know that I know that I know. Words, words are big. Um, quality yeah. time is one. So um, undivided attention physical touch and um, so reassurance through touching acts mm-hmm. of service you know people doing something special for you a cup of tea you know and receiving gifts and that yes it could be lavish um but actually it can be a simple gift so for me a gift of like a letter is huge my nieces know this and they do it for me all the time now <laughs> um but but knowing the way you want to be loved um is key and then knowing the way that you will naturally love others is key. Um, and this could be the difference between your relationships with family or friends thriving, um, as well as your romantic relationships thriving too. Um, yeah, so those are the prime love languages. Of course, they're more like food, which I love. <laughs> um, but that's that's the short version there for you. Awesome. Um, okay, so you were, you were kind of talking about identity, uh, were you about to wrap up there or yeah yeah I was so so with that and and young people lockdown has been 
one big aspect of just looking at identity. Who am I when I don't have anything to do? When I'm by myself and, you know, I dealt with that through lockdown, like seven months on my own <laughs> in my own house, you know, looking at myself in the mirror um, and only having myself to talk to. But being able to hold young people in that space of like, actually, what do you love about you? What makes you you? What makes you come to life? Um, and holding that alongside, I'm really struggling because I either don't have anything to do or for some of the older young people, knowing that they had no control of how their results could look out, depending on whether a teacher liked them or not and how they'd, mm. you know, or predict, predicted grades from last year where maybe you were in a really bad place. Um, so all of that, holding young people in that and being in a place of trust is is the biggest thing. So young people knowing that you've been doing life with them, um, but holding them in a place of what makes you come alive and what makes you you when you're by yourself and no one else is there to perform for one, but but like, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> um, what do you want to do? So finding creative ways to do that for young people has been really great too. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you have covered quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, how long have you been in youth work now? Ooh, about 10 years. It's a long time. Yeah, long yeah. Time. <laughs> you could have had a, a small child by now. 100%. There's been, listen, I have multiple children. I just get to give them back every day. <laughs> I have many, many children. Um, and do you know what? Within a year, we meet hundreds of kids, you know, whether that's like consistently or, you know, when you work in schools where we do the six to eight week program where, you know, there's three or four or four terms that we do with young people sometimes different schools so you meet hundreds but there's impact in, in every moment so yeah it's, it's definitely worth it okay okay um so kind of moving on then so where where are you now like what are you up to now and say in two to five years time where would you like to be oh yes where am i now um I also do podcasting, you know, so I think being able to show um, young people, um, older people, people from all backgrounds, um, a perspective from black women. It's a black um, female led podcast. Um, our, our perspective and our voices is a really big thing for me because I want young people to to watch it. I want all people to to watch its visual um, and to to be able to see like, wow, I can see myself in this. I think growing up, we weren't ever really able to see ourselves as, as black women. So um, in in the UK, more, more so. So yeah, showing the black female British voice is very special to me. Um, I'm doing a lot of stuff around inclusion and racial justice and holding young people in that, um, creating music around that as well. Um, so, so within youth work, that's that's where I'm streaming towards. You know, um, actually making that a priority. So, going into schools workshops um, surrounding racial justice and um, 
British history, including Asian settlement in the UK, Afro settlement in the UK, Caribbean, all of that, um, and and providing that service in schools. So tap in with me if you'd like to get involved. Um, But, and and, and then again, personally, I'm now working for a record label, um, marketing music and um, bringing young people into those spaces too is, is where I'm at I'm also you know just just seeing what I've missed but but really my heart is to continue to spread hope in whatever it is um God puts in my hands and yeah and that's where I plan to see myself in the future as well just being able to reach out to more more people to to spread that that message of hope okay fantastic thank you um and just before I kind of give you an opportunity to sort of share your social links, et cetera, et cetera, um, I'm going to ask you these these two questions. So uh, sort of statement questions, yeah, phrases that we, we popularly use. Um, the first one then, what doesn't break you makes you stronger. What are your thoughts on that? Mm, what doesn't break you makes you stronger. I think real strength is in brokenness. (laughs) Um, Real strength is in embracing brokenness, is in addressing brokenness. And um, that statement is is great, Kanye West, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and all that. But actually um, being able to get back up from brokenness, I think makes you stronger. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much for that answer. Um, and the next one what does therapy mean to you therapy is a lifeline um and like life in abundance like life in its fullness um like living real life like living in the present and being able to experience life i think with therapy um you could unlock um, a new you, a better you for for yourself and for everyone else. I think you deserve to give yourself that. I think you deserve to put yourself in therapy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say it's a lifeline. That's the that's the word that I would use. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, okay, and actually, if you can, just please. Um, if anybody would like to reach out to you regarding any of the projects that you're working on, um, they want to find out more, how can they do that? Yes. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Miss Ashley Love underscore. Um, I'm on Clubhouse as Ashley Love and running some spaces on there um, every morning and um, throughout the weeks, also on parenting, um, a club called Parents in the Club, if you're on Clubhouse, um, and a club called 9am in London, if you're on Clubhouse. Um, there'll be more spaces on there that I create for myself. Um, YKLT is a podcast that you can find um, on YouTube that, yeah, you'll find some some great stuff from me on there as well. But really, that space on Instagram, you can DM me and listen, I will respond to everyone and sorry what was your instagram again your handle miss ashley love underscore miss ashley love underscore yeah wonderful thank you so much ashley love it's been much 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 appreciated um 
do you have any final thoughts or anything you'd like to share before we we sign off yeah i would say believe and i hope for tomorrow um and i'd also say every day is worth living so go out there and win 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 i love that song um go out there and win and make sure that when you win everyone else wins um and you're also able to celebrate other people's wins as well um i've been ashley love thank you for having me thank you so much ashley much appreciated um yeah, that's all we've got time for today on the Curious Anarchy podcast. This is the Wellbeing series with Ashley Love. Thank you all so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.